It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning once again, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on this Saturday morning. We're headed towards the football game today here in Iowa City at Kinnick Stadium. That's where I'm uh, located with the Iowa Marching Band going through its uh, pregame show here several hours before this uh, 1 o'clock kickoff at Kinnick Stadium, the last home game of the season for the Hawkeyes, so it's senior day for them. The Illini without head coach Brett Bielma, as you all have heard throughout the week, and uh, interesting week in fighting Illini athletics. Lauren Day with me in Champaign. Good morning, Coach. How good, are you? Good morning, good morning. You sound chipper this morning over there in Iowa. Well, I'm chipper, just trying to make the best of being in Iowa, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Got to spend uh, 24, 28 hours here uh, all in all on this trip. So it was a bus ride over. Uh, normally, Illinois flies to Iowa, but uh, Big Ten uh, conference has changed a few things with uh, the COVID situation, and they've got a mileage and time kind of uh, guideline on whether you fly or bus. There's ter- turned out to be a bus trip, so seven buses of Illinois players and support staff and uh, other folks uh, made the trip uh, yesterday afternoon, got over here no problem in just about four and a half hours to Cedar Rapids, and then we came down with the equipment guys this morning, Ed Bond and myself, and we're here at the stadium getting set. So a busy day of uh, Big Ten football among our guests uh, scheduled for the show. Jeremy Werner from Alana Inquirer will join us at about 9.15. Gary Dolphin, the radio voice of the Iowa Hawkeyes at 9.30. Jay Lehman from uh, Big Ten Network at 10. And then Scott Ritchie from the News Gazette, who's also here in Iowa City, will join us about 10.30. Plenty of time for your phone calls as we head into this ball game. I said interesting week in Illinois athletics. It started with the uh, Ryan Walters extension and that turned into the, uh, what turned out to be Brett Bielma isolation. You had the basketball game mixed in there on Monday night. Uh, it's uh, It's been kind of a roller coaster ride this week, Lauren. Yeah, and I, I wonder, you, you bring up Bielma, I just wonder, has there been any indication that any Illinois players have been impacted by COVID? Uh, no so far, here. Uh, yeah. No, so I far heard, this season, nobody, huh? Yeah. Well, the last I heard, there was nobody in the two deep, or anybody that would be traveling uh, would be affected, uh, at least at this point. So, one of those things that you might not know until we see him roll, run out there. But uh, no indication of that, at least so far. I think maybe that's why they took a couple of extra buses just to spread people out a little bit and give them a, a little bit more room on the buses. I think but it's uh, unusual uh, this late in the season. We're here in mid to late November, and Illinois is probably, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, probably about as healthy as they've been in terms of first-string players as they've been all season. I, I don't know other than Hanson. Of course, they lost him, and uh, I think Woods is out, although he wasn't starting at defensive tackle. But uh, – it sounds like they're, you know, the team has gotten more healthy as they've gone along. And now, although Sitkowski has, has been out, they've still got their number one quarterback. And it just sounds like Illinois is ready for a big game here. What do you think? I, 
I think so. And, uh, you know, if they can pull another upset of a ranked team on the road, that would certainly uh, enhance, uh, obviously, their bowl aspirations. They, they need a couple of wins to get to 6-6. Six and six, And they're about a 12-point, 12 12-and-a-half-point 12 underdog here. Iowa is really good at home. Uh, it'll be, uh, as Martin O'Donnell likes to call it, a slobber knocker uh, Big Ten game in November. Defenses uh, are, are both outstanding. Illinois' defense is getting better and better every week. And neither offense is really that overpowering, so it could be a 17-13, 24-21 kind of game. Well, I I expect a low-scoring game, and in a low-scoring game, you just want to be there in the fourth quarter and take advantage of the circumstances at that point. Uh, Illinois has had some misfortune in that earlier this season, but they held Minnesota without a touchdown until the last five minutes of the game two weeks ago. And uh, the defense is clearly getting better. And as I said, they're healthier. They've got their, all their defensive backs are ready. Uh, their, their linebackers, I think, are playing extremely well. And even though they do have two, two linebackers out, Hart and Hanson, but that's a long time ago. And, and, and these guys of Barnes and, and Tilson have, they've been, uh, Tolson have been playing all along and, and it looks to me like uh, they're playing awfully well. Plus, there's, a, there's a something we, we seldom note. The fact that Illinois has gone to a pretty much an odd front with a five, what I call a five-man line, although they call Carney and, and uh, Gay uh, outside linebackers, they're actually defensive ends who are standing up. They're not, you know, they're not down, but they're still defensive ends in my mind. So I think Illinois is ready for the game. I just uh, now we got to see what's going to happen in terms of turnovers and and that sort of thing because uh, Iowa's got 19 interceptions, Steve, and they're they're very good at going after the the football. Yeah, that leads the nation. And 24 takeaways all in all. And Illinois has not won here at Kennick Stadium since 1999. Josh Whitman was in uniform for the Illini the uh, last time that happened in this stadium. We do have the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Let's go to the phones and uh, say good morning to Steve in Princeton. What's up, Steve? Hey, I got two questions. One for Lauren. A few weeks ago, he was talking about he didn't have a sport coat to wear to a black tie dinner. No, I got a sport coat. He didn't have a suit. Okay, he didn't have a suit, but Mary Hansen had over 30 of them. No, I didn't say that she had over 30. I mean, she she definitely has some of those, yes. Well, anyway, do you think college coaches will ever go back to wearing coat and tie like they have, or is this a new trend of the – emblem with the shoot endorsements and everything and wearing sweaters well it's a new trend but some coaches are still wearing suits and jackets and ties there are some coaches i can't tell you who they are i just saw this the other day i think i'm right steve have you noticed that i've noticed more of them going casual than absolutely uh, yes yeah, and, and brad underwood even said that if given the choice that's what he wants to do mm-hmm. and so that's what they're going to be doing but i mean everybody's got a choice of what they want to wear basically and most coaches would rather wear something other than a suit, but so I did see some, I did see a tie on some coaches uh, during the week, and I can't tell you where it was or who it was, but I wasn't thinking a lot about it, but I did notice it. But I just wondered if there's money involved in wearing a shirt with a Nike swoop or Adidas or something like that on the coach's sweater. Not to my knowledge, but, it, you know, again, I just don't know. Okay, then the second question is, once it turned to football, was Jimmy Ralder ever considering Illinois, or did that, that fall by the wayside once he decided to give up baseball for football? Who, who was that again? You mean the Jimmy recruit? Rolder, the, you mean the, the incoming recruit? From, from Marist. 
He yeah, announced for Michigan he, uh, this week. Yeah, he verbaled to Michigan. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know what his situation is with Illinois. I know that they were hard after him and they offered him a chance to play both sports, reportedly. And uh, But apparently he uh, he saw the what he thinks are brighter lights in Ann Arbor. Because originally he committed to Illinois coach Dan Hartley. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. So, anyway, it's the first, it's the first case I've ever heard of a, of a young man changing his mind. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that, Steve? <laughs> That's the first time today. <laughs> okay. So, anything else? But Steve? I thought maybe with his dad, dad being an Illinois grad and all that stuff, they might have an in. But well, ma- maybe uh, he's going to play baseball for Illinois and football for Michigan. Can you do that? Transfer portals there, so maybe it'll happen. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, Thanks, thank, guys. Have a yeah, good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks for the call. 217-356-9397 is the phone number. We're talking about basketball there briefly. Uh, just a, a side note, Marquette won again last night. Lauren uh, beat West Virginia, and they're 5-0 and on the season now. They had uh, two wins on the road this week. So, uh, Have you noticed, Steve, that the Big Ten is doing poorly? Yes. I mean – one year ago, everybody was talking about the Big Ten, how great they were as, as a league. And this year, it's just been disappointment after disappointment. I saw where Maryland got by Hofstra, 69-67. Of course, Michigan bounced back from its loss. but And Nebraska and, and Minnesota won last night easily, but they played Idaho State and, and uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne, which aren't, you know, very good. Michigan beat uh, UNLV 74-61. That's... Uh, you know who the coach at uh, UNLV is, Steve? Kevin Kruger. You're right. Kevin Kruger. And that game was on the road. That game was in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So Michigan got the win there. Interesting yeah. game perhaps this afternoon in Big Ten basketball. Number six, Purdue, and number 18, North Carolina. It's mm-hmm. about the only game I saw involving Big Ten teams here that uh, might be kind of interesting. Let's go back to this uh, football game with Brett Bielma probably in contact with the team right now uh, via Zoom or however he wants to do that. But uh, once we get within 90 minutes of kickoff, he can't do that uh, anymore. So he'll be watching uh, like you are, Lauren, watching at home, maybe listening to the radio some. But um, George McDonald will be the uh, the interim head coach today. So just kind of a unusual situation that in the big picture probably – once they uh, once they kick it off, probably won't uh, won't mean much, or will kind of go unnoticed, maybe. Would you tell me why that rule is in effect? Why they prevent the coach from calling on the phone to to maybe one of his assistants? Why why why, why what's the necess- what's the necessity of that rule? I don't know because I'm not sure it was that way last year. I think. Uh, um, they just decided to do that this year and kind of, uh, I don't know, they just were making things up on the fly, I guess. I, mean, I don't know if it, uh, uh, Gary Dolphin, who we just talked to a little bit ago, they played uh, uh, Purdue last year, and he said he thought that it was, well, he knew it was a game that Jeff Brom missed, but he thought he was in contact throughout the game via telephone uh, with the coaching staff. Now, that's something different, but I can't explain why they think they have to do it. Uh, I think uh, Bielema made some kind of a remark uh, the other day uh, on his press conference uh, that was Thursday 
uh, that six Big Ten coaches at, at one time or another last year or this year have been unable to talk to their team, at, you know, or unable to travel with their team or, or go with their team to the game. Right. So I, I don't know who those six are, but you, you mentioned Brahm, and, and uh, there were several that missed last year. I know Ohio State couldn't come here last year. They're, they were probably uh, trembling at the thought of playing Illinois. <laughs> A couple of other notes uh, before our first break. Illinois volleyball wins last night at Indiana. They'll take on Maryland Sunday at noon, senior day there, last home match. And the Parkland volleyball team is uh, right up the road in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where they uh, won a semifinal match. They'll play for the national championship coming up uh, later on today or this evening. High school football playoffs resuming as well. All that and more we'll talk about on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take our first time out. Steve Kelly in Iowa City, Lauren Tate in Champaign, and we're back with you after this. It is 9-16, Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Fighting Illini game day at 11, kickoff shortly after 1 o'clock here at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you, and good morning to Jeremy Werner from Illini Inquirer 24-7 Sports, who is also in Iowa City. Good morning, Jeremy. How you doing? Doing good, Steve. Thanks for having me. No problem. Looks like we got a good day weather-wise here. We got sunshine. They're talking about uh, 50 degrees and not much wind, and a, a game that we expect to be dominated by the defenses. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's these two teams kind of play a similar style. Now, you know, there's differences on this team. Obviously, Iowa's back seven is is fantastic and maybe one of the best in the Big Ten. Uh, and they can throw the ball a little bit more, but. Uh, both these teams, you know, like Brett Bielma being from Iowa, uh, coaching at Iowa, obviously went on to Wisconsin and, and Kansas State as well. Um, they got similar identities. Illinois is kind of trying to play an Iowa style from, from Kirk Ferentz era, right, is run the football, play good defense, don't turn it over, control the clock. So, you know, that contrast of styles worked pretty well for Illinois against Minnesota. I do think Iowa is a better team, uh, but uh, Minnesota hang, uh, hung with uh, Iowa last week here in Iowa City. So, uh, if Illinois can execute like they did against Penn State and like they did against Minnesota, I think they can make this a, a pretty competitive game. What kind of uh, factor, if any, do you think uh, this will be with George McDonald in charge, more or less, uh, with Brett Bielman not being here? Is it just a, it's just something a little different, but do you think it will uh, impact the game much once it starts? Well, I'd imagine it has some kind of impact, Steve, right? I mean, he's, he's the biggest presence on the team. He's the CEO. He's the head coach. So not to have him here, uh, I think, is, is an impact just because, you know, you know who you're looking to. You know who's leading. You know who's speaking up. You know who's calling the timeout or making the decision. Now, they've gone through the process, and Brett has set this up, that 90 minutes before kickoff, he can't, like the Big Ten rule, he can't have communication with his staff or his players after that. So uh, I think Brett is a pretty good delegator. Uh, but now it sounds like his coordinators are making some of those game management decisions, whether they want a timeout or not. And it sounds like John Marinelli, an analyst, will be the one actually relaying those to the official today. Uh, Jordan McDonald will still be coaching wide receivers, kind of give, giving the message to the team this week and during the game. But during the game, it sounds like he's going to be more of the you know um, wide receivers coach. So it, it's different, right? Um, I think the good thing is, is you have – a very veteran team, right? You have a player led team in that, you know, there's so many super seniors, there's so many veterans on this team and, and they got a big goal in front of them. That's, that's to beat Iowa for the first time. And since 2008, it's to, to win at Kinnick for the first time since 1999. And 
and potentially to, to have a shot at a bowl game. So uh, I do think having so many veterans on this team does help, but I, I don't know how it plays out, Steve, but I, you know, not having Brett Bielema there certainly has an impact on the game. It's just, is there enough on the staff and, and, and is there enough leadership with the players to make up for that loss? Jeremy, uh, how do you evaluate the change in the Illinois defense since Virginia and UTSA uh, up to this point and, and through the, the particular the, all, the last three games, I think, have been especially sound. Uh, what has changed? Well, they changed scheme. They've changed personnel, Lauren. They've changed a lot, right? Um, you know, first couple games, they, they kind of ran more of a 4-2-5 defense. Mm-hmm. They, they did change some things. Uh, lately, it's been a, a 3-3-5 or a 3-4. Um, and I would expect a little bit more 3-4 uh, today. But uh, they, they've been running more of this 3-3-5 defense that just gets an extra big body on the field that helps them stop the run. So you'll see Roderick Perry, Johnny Newton, and Keith Randolph, who are playing fantastic football. Uh, you'll see them on the field more. And then I think Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay like have really come on in, in recent weeks. So having those outside linebackers play like that, and the other big personnel shift is, is having Kirby Joseph at free safety. Um, they've been getting some pass rush, which is important, but Kirby is a single high safety in this defense, just covers up a lot. He's a really rangy guy, not the most physical guy, but, you know, you put him 15, 20 yards back, he can cover a lot of ground and he can make plays on the ball. And that's allowed them to use Sidney Brown more in the strong safety role where you see him towards the line of scrimmage. You see him moving around, confusing quarterbacks and, um, you know, P.J. Fleck compared him to Troy Palomalu, not just because of the hair, but because of how he plays and how physical he is, but how versatile he is. He can go back into coverage and, and do cover two and all this stuff. So I think Ryan Walters has put his players in positions to succeed. Um, he has changed the defense, not for what he wants to run, but what the team can best run with its personnel right now. So I, I give him a ton of credits why he's got the contract extensions, why they've uh, been able to compete in these games and, and have so much success in these games. How do you see the uh, the move at quarterback with Padilla a little bit more uh, mobile than uh, than Petrus, and, uh, and maybe uh, you know, but not as experienced? How how do you see that uh, quarterback situation if impacting Iowa? Well, I think I'm of the same uh, ilk as you, Lauren, which is uh, I'd rather face a quarterback who just stands in the pocket. Um, yeah. And yeah. and that, that does concern me because Petrus isn't a great quarterback, right? I mean, he's more like what Illinois has. Um, maybe he's had a little bit more success than Brandon Peters, but but similar quarterback. When, when they can run, I mean, that's that's what hurt Illinois against Rutgers, right? Is You know, they played pretty sound defense except when the quarterback ran the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, they did struggle on first and second downs. So if Illinois struggles on first and second downs, sounds like the day against Rutgers sets up those opportunities, but um, that would concern me against Padilla, but you're hoping he hasn't done it much yet, but you're hoping that you can force him into some mistakes, right? If Illinois wins the takeaway battle, if they win time of possession, uh, those are, those are two keys uh, to winning this game, obviously. So you want, you want him to beat you though, right? You want him to beat you with his, with his arm. Um, And that's what's made them successful against uh, Minnesota was, you know, they made Tanner Morgan beat them on these third and long situations uh, that he's just not that great at. Uh, Minnesota's receivers weren't that great. I think Iowa's receivers are better than Minnesota's, but you still want to force that quarterback to, to beat you with his arm. And I would expect them to do that today. It's the slip, obvious slippage by Iowa since they were number two in the nation and in the, the losses in the last two games. Has that been mainly because of turnovers, or do you see anything else different about those other than the turnover switch? 
Yeah, I mean, Warren, I think 19 interceptions, and most of those happened in, what, the first six or seven games. They didn't have one uh, against Minnesota. I think that's what made Iowa so successful is they were scoring on defense. Their offense wasn't putting up big numbers, but their defense was setting up their offense uh, for so much success. I mean, against that Indiana team early on, it's, you know, two pick sixes, I believe, in that game by one player, and um, that just completely changes games. So they're an opportunistic defense. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, though. They didn't force a turnover against – or they didn't force a – interception against minnesota uh and brandon peters guys hasn't thrown it's thrown one interception over the last two seasons the last 12 games so uh one in his last 190 attempts so uh, that's one thing he does pretty well but that back uh that back seven as i said again for iowa is really really good so uh if they get takeaways they're a really good team they're a big 10 west kind of championship kind of team when they don't and you don't turn it over to them uh this team gets beatable Talking to Jeremy Werner from Illini Inquirer. Let's go back and talk a little basketball. Illinois is in Kansas City, and we'll take on uh, Cincinnati coming up at the Hall of Fame Classic on a Monday night. Let's go back to this past Monday night in uh, Milwaukee. Did you have to play the uh, role of uh, psychologist to uh, many of your subscribers who were ready to jump off the Illini bandwagon <laughs> after that loss, one-point loss to uh, Marquette? Yeah, Steve, I would hope by this point that Illinois fans know they're going to be pretty good. Like, you can lose a game and still have a good team at the end of the year. Like, I think we've seen that in the last couple of years. Um, and, and I think if you had Kofi Coburn in All-American Center, you wouldn't have lost that game. Uh, but I, I think – I don't know if that was a necessary loss, Steve, but it, it felt like this was going to come at some point where Coleman Hawkins and, and Andre Corbello are going to be really good players this year. I'm, I'm not giving up on, Coleman, or on uh, Andre Corbello after a bad – his probably worst performance of his career – um, but that was their first game in front of a true road crowd, and it was a pretty good road crowd uh, at Marquette. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big student section they got on either side of the court, and they looked rattled. I think Coleman Hawkins bounced back. Uh, I think Andre Curbelo, uh he's got to learn how to be the guy um, and, and make the plays and be the guy who needs to make those plays without forcing it. All he's got to do is make simple plays. You hear Brad Underwood say it all the time, hit singles, hit singles. And every once in a while, He's going to make mistakes because he tries to hit home run, but he, he can hit home runs, right? But I, I thought he just got into this mode of I have to make this play, or he gets frustrated, he gets frustrated by officials a lot. And it usually follows up with a bad decision right after that. And I don't think he helps himself uh, doing some of that. So I think it's a learning experience. I think the most important thing for him is, all right, I had that. I, you know, I really hurt my team. He wasn't the only one that, that hurt the team, obviously. Uh, outside of Trent Frazier and – and minutes of Coleman Hawkins, Demonte Williams, I thought a lot of the guys struggled. But, I mean, you need your quote-unquote superstar, and I think he will be, uh, to make better decisions. But I think it's a process Cassius Winston had to go to, through. He had nine turnovers in a game at Illinois and an upset loss to a, a not-very-good Illinois team a couple of years ago. Uh, Io DeSumo uh, had some bad plays. I remember the Arizona game didn't play that well a couple of years ago. Um, so maybe this is just what he had to go through. But uh, you don't want to take a loss. But I don't think this is going to be the type of loss that is going to be the difference between this team being a, a three seed or a nine seed, right? Like, so I think it's still going to be a very good team with an All-American coming back. But certainly that was a learning experience for them. And, and to be honest with you, most of the Big Ten uh, got, got a little bit of a wake-up call this week. Jeremy, uh, uh, Marquette beat West Virginia as well and a, and a nice mm-hmm. victory for them. Uh, it occurs to me, and you can respond to this, that teams that use the – full court pressure the way they do and the scramble defense the way they do are much more effective early in the season than they might be in the late season or in the tournament. You just don't see those teams successful 
uh, down the stretch, do you? Well, I mean, a couple of years ago, we were watching Illinois try to do that stuff. I, I do think it's a, it's a recipe for upsets, right? I, I think you, when you run that kind of defense and you catch a team off guard or they just can't handle it, uh, I think it's a recipe for upsets. But I think you saw a couple nights before Illinois played Marquette where New Hampshire almost upset them because they just handled it and they got open layups, right? They, they're able to kind of handle the pressure, you know, keep their head down the court and find an open guy and, and get layups, kind of like teams used to do against Brad Underwood pressure. So, yeah, I would imagine, Warren, I mean, it just creates havoc. It's first time on the road. Maybe, maybe you have a better chance of getting upsets. I, I also think Daryl Morcell is really, really good. Um, you know, he's a really good player at Marquette. I like the Colette kid. But I don't think that Marquette team is going to be great, but maybe they'll be a little bit better um, than we expect them to be. And Shaka Smart's a pretty good coach, and, and maybe he's got the personnel to do it. But uh, I do think it's, it's a nice recipe for upsets, and maybe even more so earlier in the year. And I'm sure those guys couldn't wait to get back on the game court, not necessarily the practice yep. courts, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that practices have been interesting this week. Yeah, and uh, it's a huge opportunity for them. Uh, but it also, you know, I know Cincinnati is undefeated right now, haven't played a lot of top opponents, but they beat a Georgia team that obviously is a high major opponent. So uh, it's going to be a test for them, but you do hate Kofi Coburn back, and, and uh, every team's going to have trouble handling him. So as long as Kofi doesn't get into foul trouble, and as long as Corbello uh, bounces back from this one, um, you hope Illinois has a pretty good week. Because if you win the next two games, uh, then you take care of business against UT uh, Rio Grande Valley. And, then you set up yourself for, for Big Ten play. Um, you know, you got Notre Dame with the Big Ten ACC challenge, and just hope you take care of business, right? But uh, I, I would expect – I expected Illinois to lose some games. Maybe people didn't think just because there's a lot of new new parts. Uh, but the key is playing your best ball in February and March, and, and, and Brad Underwood seems to have done that mostly uh, in his career. Don't you love the month of November when you've got the uh, football, <laughs> basketball uh crossover and uh, the transitions between the two covering basketball one night football the next it it, it gets a little difficult at times but it's pretty exciting uh, nonetheless yeah I, I i think it's really fun i don't know if my wife feels the same way steve with, with all, all right. the things we have to do and cover but uh no it's it's a crazy time and it's an eventful time especially with you know basketball signing day football signing day right in the middle of all of it hey jeremy appreciate your time look forward to seeing you over here at uh, kinnick stadium and uh Drive safely. You got a beautiful day here. Uh, 50, One, two, three, going four, towards five. fifty degrees here in Iowa City. Thanks for your time, man. Yep. Thanks, Steve. You bet. Jeremy Werner from Illini Inquirer at nine thirty on News Talk fourteen hundred WDWS and ninety three nine FM. We'll take a break and we'll learn more about the Iowa Hawkeyes with the voice of the Hawkeyes, Gary Dolphin, coming up in our next segment. We'll keep the phone lines open two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. We are back. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk moving up on 9.33. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11. Finding Illini game day. Scott Beatty and uh, the gang at 11 o'clock and kickoff at 105, possibly 1010, or not 1010, but 110. <laughs> <laughs> 105 is when it's scheduled to start. They have uh, what they call a possible five minute slide that uh, could be invoked before the uh, kickoff, but we'll see how that plays out. We usually know an hour before kickoff on whether or not that's going to be uh, put into play. Coming up uh, in Big Ten play today, there are three games at 11 o'clock 
And uh, three pretty good ones uh, starting right out of the gate. Uh, Lauren with number seven, Michigan State, at number four, Ohio State. And uh, the Buckeyes wrap up the season with uh, the teams from Michigan. Michigan State today and uh, Michigan next week on the road. Yeah, two monster games, and uh, Michigan State's got to figure out some way to prevent those long-range bombs at Ohio State, both running and passing. They're just uh, they're so explosive and uh, so much better than they were back when they started the season with all those young players against uh, Oregon and lost. But uh, they still have no losses in the Big Ten, and if they finish this in this fashion, they will certainly be in the 14 playoff. That's all the that's all the talk now. Wisconsin's still got a shot. They're playing Nebraska today, and they're home, and uh, you know they're they're looking to try to get in the playoff. They, I, I think uh, if they keep winning, that that's where they're going to be, and. Um, I don't know. I, I, I look around the, uh, the country and uh, thinking of the, this four-team playoff. Uh, Cincinnati plays SMU. That could be a good game today, too, Steve. And Oregon's playing Utah, and Oregon's still in the – so let's hear what Gary Dolphin has to say about it. I'm, I'm running off here. No, you're good. He's, uh, he's just getting settled in uh, right now. Gary Dolphin joins us here in uh, the press box at Kinney Stadium, Kinnick Stadium. How are you doing there, Dolph? Doing good, Steve. Uh, good morning, uh, Lauren. Uh, good morning, Coach Bielema. <laughs> I thought I might get to see him last night, but uh, I go by what I go way back with uh, Brett from his uh, playing days to his coaching days here, and uh, one of my dearest friends. And so we, uh, I saw him on the Big Ten Network this morning. It looks like he's doing pretty good. So uh, did you get a chance to talk to him this week? I did. I called him, and uh, we had a nice visit. In fact, uh, I taped some of that that we're going to run in our pregame coverage here. You know, talking about the similarities, not only of these two programs, it really is remarkable when you when you dive into the statistics. Both teams that want to run the football, both teams want to stop the run. They've been very good doing that, and very good on special teams. So, uh, but like Brett says, you know, he learned uh, the game from Hayden. Uh, he worked for Kirk, so it doesn't surprise me uh, whether it's Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois that the programs uh, reflect right. each other, especially in November when typically the wind's blowing and you've got gray, cloudy skies. But that, thankfully, that's not the case this morning, Steve. You're not a meteorologist, but you, no. but you do take credit when the weather's good, right? <laughs> I do. I'll take credit for today, not not, not yesterday. <laughs> right. It was a little breezy yesterday oh coming was. in, but the sun is out here, and they're talking about maybe knocking on the door of 50 degrees before the afternoon uh, sun goes down. So you can't argue with that in late November. You can't. And, and uh, in November... You know, my theory always is if it's the snow and sleet aren't blowing sideways uh, due to 40-mile-an-hour north winds. Now, you'll notice uh, I don't think you guys have been back since the uh, north end zone was redone, and it's more of an enclosed right. stadium now. And uh, it doesn't look like it from here, but with that big jumbotron at the top, that's, that's probably 10 stories uh, high. So the north wind, northwest wind, uh, doesn't have a whole lot of chance to get through anymore uh, you can see the streamers on top of the stadium are blowing straight out uh, for the fans listening down on the field they're just kind of floating so it does make a difference at least that's what the players tell so me. this is north this, this is the north end zone here they put in a bunch more suites a beautiful right. concession area and as you know now we can sell uh, beverages beyond coca-cola there you go lord tate <laughs> is your old buddy hi lauren he's in champagne go I ahead know. lauren good I morning know. well i i'm interested uh, first of all Ference has put such a mark on this uh, this program. I mean, as did Hayden Fry before him. But mm -hmm. uh, how long is Ference going to go? Well, his contract runs through 2025, and, and knowing how loyal he is to the university, 
you know, and I, I've said, you know, when he signed this, I think it was this particular contract when he signed this, uh, that would uh, be about three, four, five years ago. And, and you know, I said then uh, to some buddies, I said, I, I don't think Kirk will see the end of that contract. Uh, I, I think he'll walk off into the sunset or right off into the sunset before 2025. Now I'm not so sure. I mean, he's 66 years old, Lauren, uh, and, and uh, that contract would be up the time he turns 70. So, you know, if you're asking me today, uh, you know, and the thing doesn't fall apart on him, and that's been, as you know, his hallmark, the consistency of success that he's uh, put together here. Uh, the facilities are top-notch, uh, great stadium, great fan base. He may, he may stick around. I mean, I, I predict he'd stick around now, barring that he doesn't have any health issues between now and then. What's, uh, what's the secret to his success? Well, that, that's a great question. People have been trying to figure that out. Well, you know, he <laughs> learned, he learned, he, he, he told me when he first got this job, what, 1998 or 9, that uh, when I asked him about his background and, and how could he coach in the Big Ten, what, what would make him successful, he said, well, you know, I learned from uh, three, more than three, but he said, I learned from the best. Uh, and he learned from Hayden Fry when he was an assistant, young assistant coach here. Uh, he, uh, he learned from Ted Marchabroda and Bill Belichick in the pros. Those are the three names he brings up a lot. He grew up loving Chuck Knoll and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, of course, he's a Pittsburgh guy. And, and so when you look at those four coaches, uh, all, all Hall of Famers, uh, it's a small wonder that he wins. And he's kind of taken their blueprint now. He, he doesn't open it up like Hayden did. Uh, March Broda was uh, not flamboyant, but would throw the ball uh, because he was playing primarily indoors. But I think when you look uh, on balance at, at those four names in particular, they, they run the football, they use the tight end, and they get it done up front on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I know that sounds simplistic, but uh, he hasn't changed. He hasn't wavered. And, and as you know, Lauren and, and, and Steve, uh, He's been pressured to, you know, change his offensive look. And Brian, his son, his offensive coordinator, has gotten a little bit more liberal with the play calling. But if you notice last Saturday, uh, Kirk was running quarterback sneaks, uh, or the Hawks were running quarterback sneaks and ultimately took a field goal uh, because the, the uh, defense has been so good all year. And, and, and you know that was dad making that call. You know what? I'm going to turn it over to the defense. I don't care if we score a touchdown. I don't think they can drive the field on us, and that's exactly how it played out. Talking to Gary Dolphin, tell us uh, the quarterback situation today. Of course, the starter, uh, Petrus, has been out, missed last week's game. Padilla did a nice job coming in. What uh, what do you expect to see today? That's the big question, uh, Steve, uh, in my uh, sit-down with uh, Coach Ferentz, uh, the pregame show, and you know, he'll usually tip his hat uh, to me, uh, whether off the air or off the record or, or on the interview. And he was really uh, lips sealed. And I asked him three times. I said, Coach, give me a hint. Petrus is cleared to play. He was the starting quarterback when he got injured. Uh, most coaches, including uh, Coach uh, Ferentz, will tell you and have said publicly that, uh, in my opinion, uh, you, don't, uh, you don't lose your starting position because of injury. Now, obviously, that can change, and we'll find out. But uh, Padilla has been remarkably consistent and very solid, and, you know, they're not asking him to do too much outside the boundary lines or outside his margins. But he threw a couple touchdown passes last week. Uh, he ran for one. He's very athletic. He's really a polar opposite of Spencer Petrus. Spencer is, a, you know, he's a pocket guy, big guy, great arm. But the problem with Spencer in there is that, that, that the Achilles heel for the Hawkeyes, which is hard to believe, is the offensive line. They've had a number of guys leave early for the NFL or leave early, period, and, and so they're really raw and young and have been all season long, and that's where the issues have been. 
uh, Padilla can escape pressure. So, I mean, if you're asking me, uh, I, I think Padilla is going to start. Uh, you know, he he's not a guy that would rotate quarterbacks. I speak of Coach Ference. But I, I don't know why you, you mess with something uh, that's been successful the last few weeks. And then I think, okay, Petrus was in there when they beat Penn State. They won at Iowa State, and they beat Indiana on opening night when we thought Indiana was – and then at the time they were a top-15 team. So I guess it's better to have two good quarterbacks than one. Now as to which one uh, starts, uh, we'll see, Steve, in a couple hours. Uh, I got a, a question that's an overall question, would, and I w- it's, this is a tough one for you. But Illinois hasn't been very good the last 20 years. This, during the same period that, that uh, Ference has been the coach there, how much, how much has, of uh, the success has come from the ability of Iowa to recruit Illinois athletes at a time when Illinois has been down? Well, it's been huge, uh, Lauren. I mean, there's no question about it. And, you know, back uh, – I'm old enough to remember when Illinois was really good. Uh, Mike White, um, uh, you know Ron Ron Zook, Ron Turner. Um, I know I know I'm leaving. John Makovic. John Makovic. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that terribly long ago. I, you know, I I remember uh, Simeon Rice and 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 all the great players that have come through the pipeline since the '80s and '90s uh, in Champaign Urbana. And at that time, they were recruiting Illinois and still are today, of course. But uh, St. Louis was a was a very fruitful uh, basket for uh, Illinois football. Iowa's always recruited Chicago. Uh, they 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 love the kids they've had from Peoria, uh, from from Belleville. They've got a a great tight end in Laporta. You know it's, they call it tight end U here. No kidding. Laporta's from Highland. You know straight west of or excuse me straight east of uh, St. Louis. But uh, Lauren, to your point, uh, it's not just Iowa. It, it's it's Michigan. It's Northwestern. It's it's uh, Michigan. Ed, Ed's checking us out there. We're on, we're on, Ed. <laughs> but it's it's Minnesota. You know, PJ PJ Flex from Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, I think Lauren, uh, the big picture is there's enough really good football players to go around, including Illinois, uh, and, and really the Big Ten footprint has has the state of Illinois almost right in the middle. So, uh, the, but the Hawkeyes absolutely rely. You know, we're only three million people in the entire state. So we have to get into Chicago, uh, Detroit. Uh, you know, Hayden used to recruit Texas a lot, but uh, we, we, we have to recruit Illinois. I know Brett Bielema is from Prophetstown right down by the Quad Cities. He plans to make uh, Illinois a point of emphasis, and there's no doubt in my mind he'll, he'll get his share. Gary, let's talk a little basketball. What have you seen so far from the Hawkeyes? A little bit surprising, uh, I mean, on the positive side, Steve, uh, Keegan Murray is not going to sneak up on anybody this year, and granted, Iowa's schedule uh, ha- has been uh, not not the the strongest from a, an RPI standpoint. But you know what? You still got to play 40 minutes. You still got to win the game, and Keegan has been phenomenal. Uh, you know, his his first four games this season, he's averaging around 26, 27 points. He had a 27 and 21 game the other night. Uh, he's a great rebounder. He's six nine, six eight, six nine. But he has uh, really thickened up in the offseason, uh, hit the weights. He's got a twin brother, Chris, who's a left-hander, who's not on his plane, but he's coming. He's coming fast. He had 15 the other night. Uh, Bohannon is back for, I think, his 12th year uh, at <laughs> Iowa. And of course, he won the – or he cracked the uh, career mark that John Diebler had held for made threes the other night. So it was good to get that behind him. You could tell he was pressing a little bit. But Jordan's great for the program. Uh, you know, the – if you're asking me about uh, Iowa's success or lack thereof this year, 
it's uh, no different in Champaign-Urbana. It starts with the point guard. And uh, I watched your game at Marquette the other night. Uh, and and Curbelo, uh, uh, I think, is an, an incredible talent. Uh, Joe Toussaint has moved to the point guard now for Iowa. And, and he's cat quick and herky-jerky. And, but he turned the ball over way too much his first couple years. So if he can settle down, and he has. He's had uh, the other night he had nine points, uh, two turnovers, and four assists. He had 11 points and 11 assists uh, the other night, uh, uh, the game after that. So he's he's really got off to a great start. He's gaining confidence. And with Bohannon on the floor with him, uh, I think that's really going to help him. But a lot of new guys inside. No more Luca Garza. No more Joe Wieskamp. It's a different team. We're going to play more five out, get up and down the floor. That's what Fran likes to do. He likes to run. So those should be some classic matchups uh, coming up here. Or, uh, yeah, Illinois comes here first. Then the Hawks end the season uh, in March down at uh, – down at the uh, State Farm Arena. So l- let's hope it means something then. We were talking uh, a little bit earlier about the month of November being the uh, the uh, month from you-know-where sometimes, but it's fun. But uh, sometimes it's uh, a little difficult to keep in mind what you're calling on any particular night, football or basketball. You know, I'm getting up there. I, I mean, I'm not, I haven't caught Lauren yet. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting close, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a physical grind to, uh, to when, when football and basketball cross over, and, and there's so much... Uh, involved now um you know bus rides to plane rides to yep. uh, to uh, now what i what i do enjoy is and it's not that i'm opposed to going to the caribbean or or, or hawaii for the for the maui uh, classic but uh, the, the the they they've cut down the travel the last couple of years due in large part to covid which i'm okay with uh, the hawks go out to sioux falls and play in the pentagram uh, or the pentagon <laughs> pentagram <laughs> 666 uh, <laughs> here in a couple of weeks uh, that we go to Virginia for the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge uh, a week from this Monday. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I love traveling around the states and seeing beautiful parts of the country elsewhere. So, But you're right. It, uh, You know, when, when winter sports overlap with fall sports, Steve, it's a fun time of the year, but uh, it's hard to keep up. Yep. Gary, we appreciate your time. Always good to visit with you. Have a good broadcast today. And you, you too. Where's Brian? Did he sleep in this morning? Yeah, he, <laughs> huh? he, well, he needs his beauty sleep. So the, Boy. those guys will be rolling in here before long with the team. Lauren, he comes from a different era, man. We, we get up at the crack of dawn. But, hey, great to see you guys or All hear right. you guys and be with you guys. And uh, we'll see you down the road. See you That's on. Gary Dolphin. Thanks, Gary. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Bella Saturday Sports Talk right after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Alani Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. We're here until 11. Open line right now if you'd like to join us until 10 o'clock. Jay Lehman will join us at 10. And Scott Ritchie at 10.30. In the meantime, plenty of time for an open line. If you want to talk about this football game, you want to talk Illinois basketball, the Illini up next in Kansas City against Cincinnati on Monday night and either Arkansas or Kansas State on Tuesday night. So uh, we'll see what happens there. The Illini women's basketball team will take on uh, UC Riverside tomorrow at 2 o'clock at the State Farm Center after suffering their first loss of the season a night or two ago. So a lot going on. We started to look at the uh, Big Ten games. We mentioned Michigan State at Ohio State. Also, uh, Lauren Rutgers plays at Penn State. Rutgers still has some bowl aspirations alive. I don't necessarily see them winning at Penn State, but uh, they in Maryland, Rutgers and Maryland both, uh, are sitting sitting there with five wins, so they're trying to get bowl eligible. 
Well, it's interesting, Steve, how you feel differently about teams as the season wears on. Uh, we were talking here in, in the office about when Illinois played Penn State, you just thought, well, we got no chance. Well, Illinois really stuffed them defensively, and now Rutgers came in and beat Illinois, so maybe Rutgers can play Penn State pretty close. I don't know. Rutgers has, has shown some improvement, certainly, this season. And Indiana, which started the season in the top 15, has, has been uh, getting weaker and weaker as they go along. They're hosting Minnesota this week. And Minnesota, we thought last week, going into that game, two weeks ago, rather, I think we felt like Illinois was at a disadvantage, and Illinois really dominated them. So things change as you go along, don't they? I mean, it's just you just Iowa. I don't think Iowa is as strong right now as I thought they were earlier, and a lot of that is just based on turnovers, which I should have been taken into account. Yeah, Iowa's third in the uh, Big Ten in uh, points given up at sixteen. That's number seven nationally, but they're only scoring twenty-four points a game on average. That's tenth in the Big Ten. Uh, another game at 11 o'clock, Purdue is at uh, Northwestern. Actually, that game is at Wrigley Field. So an interesting contest there. Purdue still has uh, some things to play for. Northwestern uh, will not be going to a bowl game. What do you think about that one? Well, I think that uh, Purdue's passing game is will be too much for Northwestern. But, you know, it's a, it's a played at, at Wrigley Field, which could have a impact on the game so, in some way. Uh, the weather's pretty good for the passers this late in November. Uh, I, I know in going over uh, some, pre, uh, some past games uh, uh, that I've seen, I've seen games played in slosh and rain, and I've seen them play, played in snow and high winds. And, and you've seen, we, we went up to Northwestern one day, and, and, the, and the wind was blowing so, so hard you couldn't hardly stand up. So it's, it's fortunate to be in, in the middle of November and have the weather as good as it appears to be at most places today, don't you yeah. think? Yeah, it's really uh, some nice Midwest weather and in, uh, in the all across the uh, Big Ten footprint. We got a text, uh, texter, listener asking what's going on with Josh McCray lately. He's had uh, a big impact early on this season. Been kind of quiet recently. I know he was a little bit under the weather. Yes, he he had a bad cold. I think I don't I yeah. don't think it was anything. Maybe the flu. Maybe the cold. And it it, it definitely set him back. Yeah, I was thinking about him. Uh, in doing some of my pregame prep, he did have a, a couple of big games and it has been kind of quiet lately. Maybe we'll see uh, a chance for him to uh, step up. But uh, the, the story at running back, of course, has been Chase Brown, who is second in the Big Ten at 106 yards per game average. And he needs 149 yards uh, yet this season to uh, go over the 1,000 mark this year. Well, he's got two games to do it. I think he can make it. Yeah. And, and that's, he, that's a good number for uh, particularly as much uh, time as he has lost this season. Illinois trying to win here in Iowa City for the first time since 1999. That was Kirk Ferentz's first year. And uh, since that time, he's gone 12-3 uh, and three against the Fighting Illini. Other games, number six, Michigan is at Maryland at 2.30. Michigan is uh, trying to get tuned up for that uh, game they call The Game in Ohio, and uh, Michigan coming up next week in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I, I think uh, Michigan's on a pretty good roll. They had an awful tough loss to Michigan State, but they're, you know, they got by uh, Penn State on a on a long touchdown pass. To, I believe it was a tight end coming across the field, and uh, you know that the mention of the tight end, Illinois 
got some tight ends that they ought to try to get the ball to today. And we, we've seen that before, that when, that when they're successful, you, those tight ends are really valuable. And Illinois hasn't, in my mind, over the years, hasn't used them enough. You know, I, I want to bring up one thing to you, Steve. This is too big a, a subject, really, to, to even try to discuss here. But all the talk now is, you know, that Bielman's trying to bring Illinois along the same way as Iowa. And I will tell you, that's, that's, that's a tough, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good goal. But becoming Iowa leaves you a long way from Ohio State because the speed of Ohio State is what sets Ohio State apart. And, and, and the talent of playing football. I mean, there's a football talent level that is, is greater than everybody else because they get more good players. But I just wonder, you know, it's okay to have this goal, and I, it's a good goal, but it doesn't, you know, it, it, if you get there, then you won't be sad. I mean, Iowa fans aren't necessarily satisfied with what they're doing because they, they get so close and they have a lot of close games, but they just can't get over the hump. Well, it's all about perspective. What, uh, you yeah. know, would you like to be 8-2 and two at this point, as Iowa seems to be about every year, and yeah. knocking on the door of 9 or 10 wins? And the same thing at Wisconsin. If, if uh, Brett Bielma kind of patterns Illinois after a combination of Iowa and Wisconsin, I think people will really be happy and they might even build a statue outside the stadium for him. <laughs> but you, you take those steps. You get it to, to the next level of where you're winning six games every year at least, and then uh, every once in a while you're rising up to win 10 or 11. I, I think Illini fans will be happy with that. And, yeah, you're going to have whoever is – trying to build their program uh, to the best they can be is going to have trouble with Ohio State and, and Michigan in the long run down the road. It's always been that way, Lauren, since ever. Yeah, it's always going to be that way. I, well, I, I, the thing that, again, as I said, the thing that really sets Ohio State apart is, are those breakaways. I mean, they, they just break your back. You spend the whole time, um, you know, you spend the whole time trying to hold them down, then all of a sudden they go all the way in one play. Yeah, they've got some such uh, great receivers. They've got a, an outstanding young guy at quarterback who seems to be coming into his own and uh, not trying to do too much. But uh, they've got, uh, I mean, they're three or four deep, but at least at the wide receiver and skill positions and all that speed that you talked about really sets them apart. And uh, we'll see if they can um, overcome that early season loss to Oregon. They've now passed Oregon in the in the ratings as far as maybe being that fourth team in at this point there's still a lot that can happen in the next couple of weeks that the other uh, game that we wanted to talk about uh, briefly is nebraska playing at wisconsin at 2:30. that rounds out the schedule with three games at 11 o'clock the illinois iowa game at one three more games at 2:30. heading into the uh, final couple of weeks of uh, the college football season the illinois northwestern game next week i'm sure you heard is a 2.30 start at Memorial Stadium. I, if we could sign up for today's weather next week, I'd do it in a minute. <laughs> I'll say. Uh, you know, back to that Nebraska-Wisconsin game, Frost has just had so much bad luck in close games. And one of these days, they're going to rise up and beat somebody. You don't suppose to be today, do you? I don't, but uh, you don't know. They've had kind of a, uh interesting week themselves with uh, – letting go of several assistant coaches like uh, the whole offensive staff is that what yeah, it? <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> so uh illinois had a roller coaster week with uh the uh, brett bielman news and the ryan walters uh, extension by the way that we haven't really talked a lot about that uh this morning it's uh, getting to be 
yesterday's news in a way, but this will be his first game since getting that contract extension and just shows what uh, Brett Bielman thinks of him and uh, Josh Whitman and the job he's done so far. Yeah, well, I, I think that uh, we're all amazed at, at the, what he's accomplished because we had a defensive uh, guru in here as a head coach before who actually, Lovey actually became defensive coordinator himself, and obviously he just couldn't quite, two things, he, he couldn't quite reach the team the way Walters and Bielma have, and maybe uh, he didn't have them in the right positions, as uh, Jeremy Werner pointed out, that there have been some 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 strategic changes that have been critical I, they they kind of snook up on us with this uh what uh, this three-man line or five-man line whichever you want to call it they've actually got a five-man line uh two defensive ends on the outside and they got a nose nose tackle that we we haven't been using before we've always had two 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 tackles and two ends in other words we've had a four-man front we now are using mostly a five-man front and by the way do you think they'll come up with the barge uh, unit, the 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 big uh, the nine man front against Iowa at all? If uh, they do, it won't surprise Iowa. They've had a chance to to see it now, and why not give it a try and make them stop it and see what happens? Yeah, I I wouldn't mind to see them try it a few times. I mean, you can't lose anything. I mean, uh, you can always throw to the tight end, right? <laughs> that worked. <laughs> well. As Gary Dolphin mentioned, has worked out here for a long time, and uh, if if that's something that uh, Brett Bielma aspires to do, that'd be a good uh, a good pattern to follow. We've hit uh, the ten o'clock hour, WDWS, and FM ninety three nine, Champaign Urbana. Hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is up next. We'll talk some more Big Ten football with Jay Lehman after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're headed towards 11 o'clock on this uh, lovely day in Iowa City. It's going to be about 50 degrees here around kickoff time. Sunshine, not much wind. There's a little breeze with the flags uh, blowing out of the uh, south towards the north at this point atop Kinnick Stadium. Lauren Tate with us in Champaign. Jay Lehman is with us. So where are you, Jay? Bloomington, Indiana. Is that what I hear? That's right. Bloomington, Indiana. Getting ready for the Gophers taking on the Hoosiers. Well, we're going to talk about that game a little bit, but let's talk about this one. It's been a while since uh, Illinois won here at Kinnick Stadium, 1999 to be exact. The Illinois defense is improving, but they're without their head coach. A lot has been going on this week. How do you size this game up? And it's an interesting thing. you know. One, it's how is you know, George McDonald going to handle some of the in-game situations? I think that's going to be a challenge, not having your head coaches kind of like not having your quarterback i know he's not out on the field but you know he's making some critical decisions i think the 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 biggest thing when i look at this game is both defenses are playing well iowa's defense for something like 30 games hasn't given up more than 24 points i'd hardly believe that we would get more than 24 points this game we just really got to take care of the football because it's the defense for Iowa that often sets up their offense to score on a short field. If you make Iowa drive the whole field, 
they've struggled, especially at the quarterback position. And, you know, Alex Padilla might have been a little bit better than Petr Petrus, but not much. What do you remember about uh, your playing days, playing in this building? Well, I try to forget those days, Steve, but uh, the stuff that I remember is, you know, I, I remember the, the 2007 game because uh, I think we had won five straight. And we're going to Kinnick, feeling pretty good after we just beat Wisconsin and Penn State in back-to-back weeks, and I think we were ranked, and I think we lost that game 10-6. to It was a dreary October day, and I remember Joe Morgan had a big touchdown pass that got called back because we had uh, didn't have enough men on the line of scrimmage, and I also remember that, you know, Iowa didn't score much uh, that game, but they were able to sustain drives to get three or four first downs and really limit the possessions of our offense that game. And uh, I think we threw a pick late in that game as well. And and I'll never forget, uh, you know, one thing that I remember most is I wanted to decline a penalty in the red zone to make them kick a field goal. So I told the ref to decline it. Uh, as a captain, I thought that was the thing to do. I, go, I was overruled on that, and um, we accepted the penalty. It would have been fourth, fourth and four, and they would have kicked a field goal in. And I think it was third and 14, and they ended up getting, I think, a 20-yard pass play on the next play for a first time. They scored the only touchdown in the game. And, uh, you know, I, that's probably one of my most uh, frustrating times in that game, to be honest. Yeah, I remember uh, criticizing Zook for that decision. I just thought that was a bad. I thought you. Were, I thought you were right in that. I didn't know that you had actually made the call on the field, but I know he made the call from the sideline that held up. And right. That was just a bad. I mean, make them kick it. Don't give them another yeah, chance no, to I throw mean, it. Yeah. They they always check with the head coach, and you know. But I was sometimes they'll check with the captain, and I was saying decline it. You know, let's decline it. We we, we just got off the field. We'll take our chances on fourth and four, and. uh you know, funny thing, I got a chance to talk to Kirk Ferentz, I don't know, five or six years ago doing a, you know, doing a Big Ten game. And I, he's just got an unbelievable memory for all the games he's coached. But he remembered that call, too. And he said, yeah, I would have probably declined it, too, if I was on the other side. So I think there's certain plays that you remember. And I know you guys have covered a lot of games. And I certainly, yes, and what I remember, Steve, and those are the things that stick out to me. I, you know, I hate to be a downer, but those are the things that, that really bummed me out that game. Is this place any harder to play because of the uh, closeness of the fans right down on top of you? Well, I I think Purdue and Kinnick uh, have the fans, you know, the closest to them. I mean, I don't don't know if those those stadiums ever had tracks in them or not. Uh, Obviously, Ohio State had a track in it. Illinois had a track in it. Uh, They've obviously remodeled the stadium so that those fans can be that close, right, and the sidelines are tight. I, I think it does make it more difficult. I think Kinnick in November usually is where top 10 teams at least have ever really struggled. And, uh, and I think Iowa as a football team in general, maybe not this year, but uh, in general t- t- seems to get better throughout the year. And I think I'm encouraged when I look at Illinois because I feel like they've actually improved throughout this football year, much like an Iowa team usually does, much like we often see Wisconsin or Northwestern doing. We haven't seen improvement during the season uh, for Illinois. And I think, you know, kind of that Hayden Fry coaching free has, has figured out a way to get better throughout the season, which Brett Bielema is definitely a part of. And we've seen that with Illinois. So I think that's a promising thing with Illinois getting better. Cause I think you play this game a month ago and I think it's a very different game. than it will probably be today. So your opinion on the, on the Illinois team has changed. Uh, I'd say pretty dramatically during the course of the season, wouldn't you say? 
Well, I think I think it's be pretty shocking, Lauren, that you know after the Virginia game that we would be talking about a you know eight weeks later talking about a million dollar extension for Ryan Walters. Mm-hmm. We would say that's crazy. They just got blown out by UTSA and offensively at least, and then uh, or defensively they got blown out and in and, and Virginia blew them out and. We've just seen drastic improvement, and uh, what I like, what I've seen them do is they've realized that Kirby Joseph is just a better free safety than Sidney Brown. Sidney Brown has is a good football player. He's not a good free safety. He often was out of position. He's a much better strong safety in run support. Kirby Joseph has kind of center field range back there, and that, that's shored up a lot of issues, I think, on the back end. Kirby Joseph, not the strongest tackler. He'll get the guy down, often gets run over, but – He's good at what he does. It could be an all Big Ten safety this year. And also they've, you know, found a couple pieces in the front seven. with Randolph and Newton and Barnes and Tolson and even Carney's come on the last two or three weeks that they've found enough. And he seems to change his scheme up enough to make it work for that week. And so I think, you know, Ryan Walters has really been uh, and the defense has really changed my opinion on stuff just because we're able to stay in games. We're not giving up 40 points. I read your article I don't know if it was last week. I can't believe we gave up 63 points three times in 2018, you know, and that was one of the games we gave up 63 points was that game I called in 2018 at Memorial Stadium, I think, you know, where Iowa just ran over us. And now Lubby almost got fired up for that game, I think. Yeah, well, you were, as a linebacker, judge how Barnes and Tolson have taken over basically for Hart and Hanson. Well, you know, I think, I think Hanson was uh, the best all-around football player we had, uh, and especially at linebacker. Uh, he's good at identifying plays and, and was, uh, was obviously very crafty at getting the football out. Uh, Barnes is better when he plays downhill. A lot of times a young player, man, if he's blitzing or if he's attacking the line of scrimmage, uh, he's fast enough and athletic enough to make plays. He's not an excellent reader or recognizer of plays right now. And so he, he's not on the stunt. Like You saw him on the, a lot of stunts in the Penn State game where they blitzed the A-gap a lot and he had a great game. He's better when he attacks the line of scrimmage. Tolson is a guy who's versatile. He's kind of a tweener. He's on the outside, on the inside. So he, he's added a lot of different depth to fill in for things. Uh, I think the guy with the highest ceiling uh, on there, it might be Seth Coleman. He has the length that you want as far as the outside linebacker that you're looking for. He just doesn't have the experience, and he's, and he's, and he's pretty raw. And I think Hart, obviously, in the one game we saw him play, uh, at least looked the part, and hopefully he's healthy by, by next season. But um, – I do like the development they've had, and, and they've, they've blitzed Barnes more, and that, that's made him more comfortable out there. And sometimes as a young football player, that can help you. Talking to Jay Lehman, another good example this week, uh, that the uh, which uh, shows that the three of us chose the wrong profession with the uh, news out of East Lansing of the extension for uh, Mel Tucker, the uh, football coach there, to $95 million, uh, in the works. And they've got a big game over in Columbus against Ohio State. How do you size that one up? Well, first and foremost, we'll talk about Tucker before we talk about the game. I think they wanted to get that uh, if, by chance, Michigan State were to beat Ohio State and Penn State. I think uh, Mel Tucker would probably get paid a little bit the same or more probably at LSU or or USC. Um, So those are probably what they wanted to guard him from. Obviously, they lost a great coach, you know, 22, 23 years ago when Saban left uh, for LSU. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting, the timing of it. Uh, here's a guy who doesn't even have a full recruiting class under his belt. Wasn't, wasn't a great coach at 
uh, Colorado in the year he was there. I got some great grad transfers and had a good quarterback there with some receivers uh, at Michigan State, put a good year together. So uh, I can see why they did it and wanted to lock him up, and that's just college football today. As far as that game goes, uh, I don't think Ohio State is as good as they have been. Uh, I do think they are probably better than Michigan State. Uh, uh, but I think I think Ohio State will win that game as long as they can take care of the football. C.J. Straw will throw it to you a couple times now. He's like Alex Padilla. Be ready because uh, he'll throw you a pick every once in a while. Padilla will throw you a pick every once in a while too. So uh, if, they, if, if Michigan State can get some turnovers, they can be in that game, control the clock. I think Peyton Thorne's a good player. But I think there's just too much offensive firepower uh, to really uh, beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State will win by a touchdown or, or, or 10 points. Uh, do you think it's legitimate to pick, uh, to rank Michigan ahead of Michigan State right now, even though Michigan State beat them? No, I don't, I don't think that's legitimate. I think Michigan State shows that they're, they were a better football team than Michigan. Um, but, you know, there's so many. There's, it's almost like the committee likes to look at the schedule that's coming up and say, hey, we can put these teams ahead of them because we know that they're going to cannibalize each other because somebody's going to lose, and they're going to have more stuff to talk about on their rating show. So I think the whole playoff system is, is getting imploded. Um, I think it's, it's, it's going to eight teams very, very, very soon, if not 12. Yeah, Talking I, to Jay Lehman. Uh, go ahead, Lauren. Well, I, 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 think, I think that that's going to be resolved in January, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, but, but it'll I still take gonna... several years to put it in place. Right, right. I mean, I think they're going to make that decision for sure, but I, I, it needs to happen sooner rather than later with everything that's going on at the same time. I, I still don't want to water down the college football season. I mean, games actually mean something. Uh, not that NFL games don't mean something, but, you know, we don't ever get want to get to the level of baseball where, you know, teams can lose 60 games and still win a world championship, you know. So <laughs> I don't think we'll get to that level, but I do think we want to keep, you know, the importance of each game, uh, and maybe you do that by just making conference champions, you know, of what being a way to get in there. You're getting set to work the uh, Minnesota at Indiana game. What's happened to the Hoosiers? They uh, they had that uh, tough schedule from the start. It seemed like every week they were playing a ranked team, but uh, it's taken its toll on them, hasn't it? Sure, yeah, a couple things. One, they lost their defensive coordinator, Kane Womack, to South Alabama to be the head coach there, brought in a different defensive coordinator, and um, – a couple things. One, they just haven't got the turnovers they usually rely on. They were number one in the Big Ten last year in turnovers, their last in turnover margin. Now, talking to Tom Allen yesterday, you know, they have 30 guys out because of injuries. Um, 18 are season ending, and you know, another 12 are five to six, five to six weeks out. They have been out. So, uh, and of course, one of those is their quarterback, their All-American corner, uh, Taiwan Mullen. Has been has been banged out, uh, banged up, you know, and hasn't played much. So, I think it's difficult when you look at the injury piece of it. There's a team that in 2019 was eight and five, last year went to the Outback Bowl, went to back-to-back January first bowl games, and so it's been a gut punch for Indiana. Uh, the schedule makers didn't do them any favors, though. Obviously, the crossover with Iowa in week one, and then had a had a non-con against Cincinnati, and so and then you're playing in the Big Ten East, which has a revitalized. Uh, Michigan State team and Michigan team. So I, I think it's just the, the, the schedule, the injuries, the turnovers uh, have been an issue, and they, they've had quarterback woes as well. You know, six turnovers last week with a backup quarterback against Rutgers. You know, Illinois hasn't gotten to play Indiana much lately. Uh, it's just a freakish thing of, of the schedule. But 
Do you see the West and East divisions being changed after next season? Do you see an adjustment there with maybe uh, throwing somebody from one of the strong teams from the East over to the West or, or maybe Indiana? That's a great question. You know, um, I, I, as of right now, I don't see that. And they're almost two different conferences. There's, there's, you know, there's four or five teams in the West, uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Iowa, Minnesota, that, that all play a similar brand of football that are all kind of recruiting the same football player. Uh, North, you know, Nebraska and Purdue are a little bit different. And you get into the East and you have much more explosive athletes and, and everybody kind of plays a little bit of a different system. Uh, if you look at how they actually are playing. And so it's almost like two completely different conferences. I do think if they're going to wait till they add more teams to realign the conference, um, I've said this before, if we go, if the Big Ten you know, plans to expand West and get Iowa State, get, you know, K-State, get Kansas, maybe get Oklahoma State, uh, obviously that would take us to, to 18, which I, I don't know if it would get that much. Um, if they were to do that, I think that that would, that would pigeonhole, that would, that would bring in Purdue and Northwestern Illinois, possibly over to the East side, um, which, which wouldn't bode well football wise for, for Illinois, but, uh, that's certainly not set in stone. We'll let you go with this. Um, do we need divisions in big 10 football? What about just one through 14 or whatever that number is and figure out the schedules accordingly. Oh, yeah, that, no, that's a, that, that, that's a great question. Um, you're going to have, you're going to have some pushback on rivals, right? I mean, they're sure. going to make sure that Ohio state, Michigan play. They're going to make sure that Michigan state, Michigan play the bucket games play between Indiana and Purdue. They're, they're going to make sure there's some rivals, but I think there's there's something to be said with that. I mean, there are no divisions in basketball, right? Uh, and they figure it out. Uh, so I, I think I think it can be figured out. Um, I think what what's the problem is, is you know we're talking about Minnesota and uh, Indiana today, and they've only played twice since 2013, and they're in the same conference. I think if you that would not happen if we had some kind of system where we we rotate through through through. Th- um, you know, through different teams. And I also think you would kind of get rid, rid of this homogenous team that we're kind of creating in the Big Ten West where we're all going to play complementary football because it's what we do. I think you'd, you'd maybe have a little bit different different style of attack because you don't have to play those six teams guaranteed every, every year. Hey, Jay, appreciate your time. Always good to talk football with you. Have a good broadcast today. Oh, yeah, you guys too. Let's go Illini. Thanks, all Jay. Right. 10.20 is the time. We'll take a break and be back with more. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. On the line, I fellow Saturday Sports Talk, back after this. 10.22 on the line, I fellow Saturday Sports Talk. You know, Bella is rated by Champagne Homeowners as the window brand that can help improve the value of your home, the number one window plan. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, Check out their showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see the products in person. You'll discover the beauty of all their wood windows, the ease of the the between-the-glass blinds, and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best for you and for each unique situation, and working with them is an easy process. 
and they'll be there to help you along the way from the shopping portion to the installation as well. So check out their showroom. Again, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. I was in there a couple of weeks ago uh, looking to um, purchase a storm door for my home. And uh, I will tell you that um, look down the road a little bit because with the product shortages, it may take a few weeks to get the product in. So if you're thinking about it, go check it out. Find out what the time frame might be on that. And if they don't have one to show you there in person, which they will, but they've got other models that they can look at online as well. They're at PellaOfChampagne.com. Learn more about the styles, materials, and options available to you. The Pella Window Team, Illini Pella, open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. 1023, the phone line is open here, 217-356-9397. Busy day in football. Illinois basketball, Lauren, getting set to play uh, again, uh, coming up in uh, game number four of the season in Kansas City. Uh, again, away from home, but a uh, nice little event, four-team event. And uh, I'm sure that, as we mentioned earlier, that they're anxious to get back out on the court and even more so to get the big guy, Kofi, back. Yeah, they got the big guy coming back, and we might see Hutcherson and see whether he's going to fit into this team this year. At some point, they're going to have to see how he does because he could be one of the key guys in the rotation. And... Uh, you know, and then the other thing is just to see if Corbello can bounce back from from the performance he had. I'm sure he'll take fewer shots and be more attuned to getting the ball to other guys who are open because he seemed to be more interested in shooting than he was in in feeding in the last game. He had seven turnovers and and three assists in that game. Yeah, in in the past when he he did that to take it inside with with the dribble, he had Kofi helping clear the way for that. Mm-hmm. And by sticking his backside out and setting a screen and then going on the pick and roll, whatever, for the lob. And he didn't have that. He got in there, and they, they felt that they could double and triple team him and be effective. And once he got in there too deep, and that's what happened, he had a shot blocked or he kicked it out of bounds or they took it away. And uh, having Kofi back will certainly be a big factor there in more ways than one. Well, I think you'll see the team bounce back. I don't I don't have any doubt about that. This is still a good basketball team it just didn't play a good game in that particular night the big 10 not off to a great uh, start as you've uh, watched some of the uh, basketball games but uh, that's that's why you play them in november right you find out what you've got and make adjustments along the way yeah i you know i i think that these games um, have a big impact on the on the rankings but they don't really tell you all you need to know about where we're going from here uh, just because you win a two-point game, like Maryland won a two-point game, uh, you know, last uh, I believe yesterday against Hofstra. Well, yeah. that's, that to me is almost like a loss in terms of evaluating Maryland and and how good they are. Uh, they probably miss Marcel more than they than they realize. But uh, you know, I I think I, I I did see a stat, you know, where Marcel is five and one against Illinois, both with Maryland and Marquette. That'll give you an idea just uh, how impa- impactful he's been, but the the league will the league will settle down and be and, and come, become stronger. Right now, Ohio State's not clear on how their guard play is, and I know Tennessee's not playing very much for Indiana. That they, I'm not sure that their their backcourt game is going to be quite up to where they want it to be. And uh, I I just think the league is right now just kind of uh, kind of struggling and. Uh, uh, you know, Michigan losing is it was a big surprise. 
But uh, it's, it's early in the season, and, and we'll see how it evolves from here. The main thing is that all Illinois cares about when the league starts that they win Big Ten games and try to win the conference. Yep. Right now in the early going, just a week or so into the season, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Purdue are all undefeated. Maryland, Ohio State, uh, Rutgers, Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin all have one loss. Nebraska has two. Let's go to the phones here before our break at the uh, bottom of the hour. Go ahead, caller. You're on the air. Good morning. Hello, both of you. Betty Ruth Manny here saying, well, I'm good, loving to hear you and to look forward to the ball game, but also wanted to share with you. My husband, John Manny, loved everybody, and especially you guys. He passed away on Monday after his 83rd birthday. But I wanted to say he would have been something with you today. And I'm so thankful that I get to hear and speak to both of you. Well, thank you for calling. And we're sorry to hear about John. And, and uh, we certainly wish you the best of luck. And, and uh, again, thanks for calling. And do you have any questions? Yeah, I want to know, do you think if I keep on shouting that our games will come all the way full to the end. Okay, well, you keep uh, supporting the team, and I'm sure that they'll appreciate that support. Thank you for calling. All right. Bye-bye, dear. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Betty Ruth. We appreciate that. At uh, 1029, we'll take a break and be back with more. Scott Ritchie will join us to talk about this game and Illini basketball as well. The phone lines are open. 217-356-9397. Back after this. 1031, Illini Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly in Iowa City, Lauren Tate in Champaign. Scott Ritchie is in Iowa City by way of Cedar Rapids on the way to Kansas City. We'll check in with Scott to see if he knows exactly where he's at. Good morning, Scott. How are you? <laughs> Good, and I'm fine now. Like, ask me again and three or four days when I've been all over the Midwest and the answer might be different. Well, you're uh, set to watch uh, and cover a football game today between uh, the Illini and the Iowa Hawkeyes on a good November day. Sunshine here at Kinnick Stadium and an interesting week in Illinois football with the Brett Bielma news. How do you size this one up? What do you think is going to happen um, aside from a, a defensive struggle? And You know, every time we think about defensive games, they turn into sometimes turn into offensive games. I don't see that happening here, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's pro- I would think it'll be, you know, first team to 10 wins. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the opposite tends to happen in, you know, games where we expect that. You know, neither offense, I don't, you know, I know can maybe you know, be too super explosive. Um, Iowa a little different now that they've made you know, a quarterback change and Alex Padilla a little shiftier than Spencer Petrus and not very efficient throwing the ball, but we'll sling it some. Um, I think this is, I mean, whatever defense is better today probably wins. Um, and, you know, both are good. Iowa statistically, you know, though, it is better. I mean, one of the, the best defenses in the country. Yeah, I would. This game is close enough. I wouldn't be surprised if it turned on on turnovers, on fumbles and and or penalties and or 
interceptions. I, you know, Peters has been pretty good about being careful where he throws the ball. I'm just checking his stats right now. He, his percentage is not very good, 55% completions. He's 61 out of 110 for 680 yards. And actually, he's thrown 38 fewer passers than Sitkowski due to the fact he's been injured so much. But uh, I would think he's about as strong right now as he's, as he's ever been in terms of entering this game uh, and, uh, with a little momentum, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned his completion percentage, and, I mean, it's gone up the last two games mm-hmm. because he hasn't been asked to do much in the passing game. And what he's done, he's been significantly more efficient than you know early in the season. Uh, yeah, he's – in his time, all of his time at Illinois, he's been fairly – secure with the ball he's pretty risk averse he doesn't you know try to force too many passes and is not thrown very many interceptions um collectively you know that said you know iowa's secondary is you know they've got the most interceptions in the country you know, mm-hmm. as a team and you know, they've got four or two guys with four apiece and you know, multiple guys with multiple interceptions this year so i mean they're an opportunistic defense uh that's they've slowed down a little bit. I mean, I know early in the season, like Riley Moss had what two pick sixes in the first game, um, but that's it's going to be an interesting matchup to see if you know this defense from Iowa that is pretty good about you know hunting down those balls in the air, you know can snag a few from Brandon Peters. But yeah, I think Lauren, you're right that the team that makes the the fewest mistakes, you know, is going to be the one that wins because the margin I think it, it is slim offensively. I mean, neither team is super impressive, so the defense is going to carry it. Yeah, this could be one of those uh, field position games, and uh, you like you like Illinois' chances in that when you bring, bring uh, Blake Hayes into the equation as far as uh, putting the uh, opposing team in a deep hole. Yeah, and I'm not sure Blake's been at his best maybe the last couple games, but that's still you know, better than a lot of punters in the country. So it just the the trajectory of his punts is a few more line drives. And I think, you know, a few more punts that have been returned against him over the last few games. But I mean, I think obviously he's shown over the last, well now five years that he's got, you know, some, some pretty good leg talent there. And we'll see if uh, he can keep Iowa penned. And, but yeah, defense special teams, I think you know, both are, are better than the offenses, but you know, Illinois has a weapon in Blake Hayes, and he's probably going to have to use them quite a bit, would be my guess. We do have the uh, telephone lines open, 217-356-9397. Alan is with us in Montrose. Go ahead, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, is McRae all right? I noticed we didn't use him very much in Minnesota. And I get a feeling we may need two running backs today. Is he okay? As far as we know, he is. He had a little... Sniffles had a little bit of a head cold here a week or so ago, but uh, we don't know anything besides that. Uh, I'm guessing we'll get a chance to see what he might be able to do. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I mean, dealt with, I guess, what you know, Brett Bielma called some flu-like symptoms, but you know, that's been a while. I mean, they've had the, the bye week to get a little healthier. And there's always Chase Brown, and he's been really good. So I, mean, I know Josh McCray has you know, had some – some breakout performances and has added something to that running back room. But like Chase Brown is the number one guy and, and Illinois can, can lean on him. And they, they have, I mean, his, the number of carries he's getting per game is 
uh, shows kind of the faith they have in giving him the ball. I think they can lean on him too much. Well, I wish they'd leaned on him a little more late in that Rutgers game instead of having Norwood in there for two or three plays. When I agree. When one more yard would have might have made the difference in winning the ball game. I agree. And he seems to be able to get that extra yard. I mean, he runs hard. But I, I don't. I, yeah, good ball. Good ball carriers. Uh, so have, they're not good unless they've got some durability. I mean, Epstein's a good running back, but he's hurt every year. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, if you've got a good running back, you've got to use him. 20, 25 carries, that, that's, that's the ideal. Yeah, he's averaging just under six yards a carry, Chase Brown. Yeah. McCray's averaging about 5.2 in about half the number of carries. Anything else, Alan? No, that'll do it. Thank you, guys. Okay, appreciate uh, the phone call. Scott, uh, let's talk a little basketball now. The Illini in Kansas City getting set for that Monday night game with uh, the big guy back. And uh, certainly it's probably seemed like a year since they last played their game with the, the practices they may have gone through this week. They're anxious to get back out there. And, and to have Kofi back is a big thing, too. Yeah, and... Brad Underwood mentioned it after the Marquette game, which was just Monday, but feels like ages ago at this point, um, that so much of what they want to do offensively runs through Kofi Coburn, whether it's you know, this, the simplicity of getting you know, the ball to him in the post on, on entry passes or you know, running you know, ball screen actions between him and Andre Corbello. And I think you saw it down the stretch there in the Marquette game where they were still running some pick and roll, and there just wasn't, Maybe, you know, someone to roll. Yeah, Andre Cabell didn't have his favorite role target, and he also was trying to do too much. I mean, I think that was clear. So you would think Kofi Coburn back on the court, his presence might settle Andre Cabello down a bit and you know, give him that, that dump-off option You know, after, you know, that ball screen at the top of the key and maybe one that, that Cabello trusts a little more. But, yeah, only needs Kofi Coburn. So they him back. You know, for the rest of the year, I think we'll maybe forestall games like you know, Marquette. But um, just be curious to see what they can do against Cincinnati. You know, new coach and a lot of new players on that team. But, you know, they're, they're off to a, a good start. I mean, they, they've won all their games. And who's won the, the job as backup to Kofi? I mean, I don't know that it's entirely clear cut. I mean, you know, Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk will bring some physicality some rebounding to that spot. You know, he's not going to make too many mistakes, but I think he's limited offensively. And he can do more offensively with Omar Payne, and, you know, he's more athletic, which I think will come in handy, you know, once you know, they get to the Big Ten season. But, I mean, would have said for a minute that Verdonk had positioned himself ahead in that, that backup race, but it – it's going to be both of them in some combination. I don't know that there's a clear-cut winner now, but you know, Illinois needs more from Omar Payne for sure. You hearing anything on Hutcherson? I mean, I think the fact that let's so just go with the last two games, the Arkansas State game. You know, he went through at least half of you know the pregame sh- shoot around you know, earlier in that day. Um, at Marquette, you know, he did a little more. Went through shoot around early in the day, and then had 
you know, kind of a, his own pregame, you know, workout, you know, before, you know, going back to street clothes. Um, so I think he's just making progressive steps, but I don't know that there's any guarantee that the next one will be playing Monday against Cincinnati. Uh, but, and I just, I just, you just don't know. And you don't know what he's going to, you know, bring. He looked, you know, good in that, that first exhibition, but then you know, he gets hurt again, which has been his unfortunate luck uh, almost his entire basketball career. So I just, I'm not sure what he'll be for Illinois, but if he matches what he could be, I mean, that's a huge piece that Illinois could add. Talking to uh, Scott Ritchie for another couple of minutes. Let's go back to the football game. Had a, a listener text in uh, with a question of, uh, with uh, Brett Bielman not here, who makes the adjustment calls? It'll be a kind of a, a group situation. Obviously, somebody's got to communicate it to the field, but they'll get that done through uh, George McDonald and others on the sideline in communication. Uh, Brett will not be in communication uh, with the coaches uh, past the 90-minute mark, but uh, how do you see that playing out, Scott? Well, I mean, I would assume that George McDonald will sort of be the final arbiter you know, on those decisions because he's going to be in that head coaching role, if only for one game, but uh, and it's something that Brett Bielma mentioned earlier this week is, you know, on Thursdays and Fridays, he has coordinator meetings, and during those, he goes through sort of a, a simulated game and like says this is what we're going to do in this situation and kind of just goes through you know situational football and here's how we're going to handle things and I'm sure they did that you know again this week uh, you know with George McDonald in, included and so George will know sort of what you know what Brett would do in specific situations but of course everything is you have to be you know, adaptable to what's happening on the field and. I don't know that things are going to look any different than if BMO was making the decisions. Uh, it'll just be, he'll just be you know, incommunicado back in the the CU area, and I'm sure hating every second of it. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the 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 coordinators are going to be in total charge during the portions of the game when their teams are on the field and when their units are on the field. But here's what I expect: I expect a very conservative team approach. I don't think anybody's going to do any gambling with Bielema not there. And I, I, I just think that it'll be really, really, really conservative with, with punting and, and field position and that sort of thing and try to win the game that way. Uh, I am, I'm fearful that it will be too conservative. Uh, that's just my concerns. Yeah, I mean, conservative is not a huge stretch from maybe what Brett Bielema would do. Either. That's right. And he's kind of flirted with some – you know, maybe you know more aggressive calls, and then you know change his mind and, and and not. So, I think it'll look like the Illinois football we've seen um, this season. Uh, but is, I guess you never know until it happens. And you know, maybe Iowa does some. I mean, I, I doubt Iowa's going to do anything differently than they, they haven't done for twenty years under Kirk Ferentz. But um, yeah, I guess you just never know. Well, fourth and one will be all punts and. And anything deep in your own territory will be runs into the line and kick it. That, that's the way I see it. And, and maybe Illinois can win that way because Iowa plays a lot that way themselves. Yeah, I mean, Illinois, you know, since the Virginia game, you know, kept things close. They, they've stayed in games. Haven't won all of them, of course, but I think that's going to be the approach again. Just try and be there at the end and, you know, make, make the plays late when you need to and hope for the best. 
Brett Bielma is 3-2 and two against Iowa, and the result of this game will be on his coaching record, uh, even though he won't be here. He will uh, take the win over the loss. Not a tie. Hopefully not an overtime game again. But uh, it, it will all play out here beginning shortly after 1 o'clock. Scott, we appreciate your time. Look for you when you get up here and uh, have a good rest of your day. And you'll be, uh, when you're up here, you'll start uh, getting information out right away at uh, newsgazette.com, right? Absolutely. Okay, we appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. That's Thanks, Scott Ritchie from the News Gazette at 1045. We're going to wrap things up with a uh, open line the rest of the way. If you'd like to join us, we'll do that after this break here on the Line Life Bella Saturday Sports Talk. Ten forty-seven on the Line Life Bella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly as the Illini are getting set to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium where they See a capacity crowd of 69,250 for this ball game. Last time I checked a day or so ago, there were four or 5,000 tickets remaining. Maybe with the, uh, the weather the way it is, people uh, wake up this morning and see a good day to sit out in the sun, at least for part of the afternoon, and watch a Big Ten football game. Illinois 4-6, and six, number 18, Iowa 8-2, and two, and about a two-touchdown, about a 12-point favorite uh, over the Fighting Illini as they've won seven straight games in this series. Uh, Lauren, to, to uh, closen it up a little bit, Illinois still leads the all-time series in 76 meetings by two games, but uh, the Hawkeyes have won seven straight in nine of the last ten. Yeah, and the Ferentz era, I think he's only dropped three games, I think. Yes. And uh, that uh, it swung in their direction very strongly. And I, I don't know uh, whether Illinois can turn it or not. I mean, they're a big underdog today. That's, I would not make them quite that much of an underdog. I, I think it's a very, I think these teams are very close, but I think that turnovers will determine it. I don't think that Iowa can run on Illinois consistently. I don't think they can. But, uh, again, we have a quarterback who will run, and that makes such a difference as we saw, uh, as we've seen in several games this year, where when the quarterback can run, Illinois got a, a, a double problem, and uh, of course that's true. I think all, of all football, when you got a quarterback and run, at least in that game, it's dangerous to do it over a season because of injury possibilities. But, but uh, in any case, uh, this is what Illinois got to deal with today, because uh, Padilla is going to be their starting quarterback, and he does have a tendency to to just tuck the ball and go. And uh, Iowa had a little bit of a stumble there when they lost back-to-back games to um, Purdue and Wisconsin, but they've uh, kind of righted the ship a little bit. They haven't been quite as impressive for the last couple of games. And Minnesota gave them a pretty good game here last week. By the way, the Purdue game indicated one thing. They are vulnerable to the pass. Yes. Purdue pass, because I thought when, when, uh, when Iowa came back to tie that game about midway through, I thought once they caught Purdue that they would win. And Purdue got the ball back and just started passing again and, and scored more touchdowns. And they were dominant in that game. And, Brett, and I, I thought it was a really good win for Purdue. Brett Bielma, of course, not here. Won't be here after testing positive. Hopefully everything will go well and he'll be able to uh, be back on the sidelines at practice late next week and then for the uh, regular season finale against uh, the Northwestern Wildcats in Champaign a week from today at 2.30. He's hunkered down, but he's not uh, been totally out of sight, at least uh, in the, the world of technology. He's been talking uh, quite a bit. He was on Big Ten Network, I'm told, earlier this morning. 
And he spoke to us uh, for the last time on uh, Thursday, and he talked about uh, what he sees as some of the keys to this ballgame. I think the keys for us is to play our game, right? Well, we practice Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday of this week. Even going back to last week with our bye week, we watched them play Minnesota. There were some things that definitely came up in that game that are nuances, obviously, first complete game with a new quarterback. But for the most part, uh, I was very efficient when they win the turnover margin. Um, when they're at home, they're they're pretty hard to uh, defeat when they when they uh, win the turnover margin. They, they play extremely well with ball control. We got to understand that going into the game, but we have to do what we do, right? Defensively, we got to keep the ball in front of us, tackle well, apply pressure to the quarterback. Uh, disruption through either you know the tackles or the ball ball in the air or on, on the ground game and uh, you know really capitalize on the moments and be great in critical situations that's Brett Bielma at 1051 phone line is open let's squeeze in one here with uh, Marty calling from Pinehurst hey Marty what's going on morning Steve morning Lauren 50 degrees in November in well it's not there yet but that's what they're saying how did you draw such a good day don't know because uh, I've been here many times when it uh, was just the opposite. So we'll we'll is take it, it and just, run, right? Is it just a continuing celebration of Lauren's 90th year on this earth? That oh, could I, be. I think we can drop that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just happy. I'm waiting for, you know, you had so much celebration at 90. I would hate to see what's going to happen when you turn 100. My yeah. golly. Uh, uh, they may close the town down for a day. We'll invite everybody out to the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Never, never, never. Hey, uh, this could be you're, – you're right, Lauren. Turnovers probably the key in this game. Uh, both teams have good kicking games, good defenses and offenses that are so-so. Uh, both like to run the ball. You know, Iowa gave the Purdue game up throwing, which is all Purdue pretty much does. But last week they almost got nicked by Minnesota. Minnesota did something different. Instead of running at Iowa, they ran a lot of toss plays and sweep type action, then cut back against pursuit. And I'm I'm wondering if Illinois, having watched that, will will carry that on because Minnesota got a lot of ground yards on Iowa, which which usually doesn't happen. So and then they they got a long pass on them too because they got them conscious of the run. Be interesting to see what happens today. Yeah. What's your take well, on? Usually, on when something there? happens like that, they correct it the next week. You know that's. Sometimes you can't just follow up and do exactly what the other team did. You just, you never know. But I think that, uh, I think I was definitely going to try to run the football against Illinois. They they think they can yeah. do it, and that's what they that's what that'll be their their game plan. And the other the other question I've got, and I haven't heard about today. Maybe you got it early. Iowa's All American corner has missed the last couple games. Mm-hmm. Um, with injury, is he going to be back this game, or is he still on the sidelines? Because they haven't. They haven't turned the ball over, got as many turnovers the last couple of games with him injured. I get the impression he's out. Uh, what do you hear, Steve? I've not heard anything definitive uh, on that. Uh, coaches uh, kind of keep that close to the vest, but uh, game time decision, as it were. But uh, that would be a factor. You know, we have learned, uh, Steve and Marty, through the course of this season, that if anything happened on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in practice, like an injury, like somebody <laughs> coming down with COVID, like – Anything like that, any problem, we don't learn about it till kickoff. Right. I mean, right now we could be sitting here with things happening within the team that we don't know because they they haven't told us. They won't tell us. Are and, you saying that everyone is copying Lovey Smith on that? Well, I think that I think this is just a policy <laughs> of 
you find that policy at Michigan. You probably find that policy at yeah. at Wisconsin and and Iowa. I, I think Illinois. I, maybe not Iowa. I don't know. Barron's is, is seems to be pretty open with his with his media, but uh, yeah. I, it's certainly true of Wisconsin. Certainly true of Illinois this year. Oh, and I'll switch subject just briefly. I know it's toward the end of the show. Steve Lawrence, uh, what are the Cardinals doing in the offseason? Who do you see him going after? I don't have any idea. I don't think they're going after a quarterback. I mean, a shortstop. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm thinking pitching and a left-handed bat, but I'm not. They've got left-handed bat and Gorman coming up. I'm not, you know, of course, I don't know if they're going to be a DH. Everyone says there is. If there is, that makes a difference too. I can't mm-hmm. figure out what they're doing, but I think they're laying low to see what happens. I think they're going after pitching, and I think they're. I, I I think that the quarterbacks are just too expensive. I keep saying quarterback. The shortstops are too expensive. I think they are yeah. too, but I think you kick the tires on that just to see uh, well, yeah, how it plays out. But uh, yeah. Hey, hey Marty, thanks, man. Appreciate the call. All right. You know, Lord, you talked about Iowa trying to to run the ball today. Certainly, they will, but. They're not the running attack that they usually are. They're, they're only rushing for 110 yards a game. That's 12th in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think Dolphin hit it right. I think their offensive line is their weak spot. Yes. So, that, you know, and so, but I, I just I just know I, I know they're going to try to run. Even if they can't run, they're going to try to run. Sure. And uh, and they'll mix it up. And, and I think we just got to, I think we've got one of those games that could go either way depending on mistakes and Mistakes can be penalties, like the penalties that Illinois had in the second half against Rutgers. When you make, when you get five possessions and you lose three of those possessions on penalties, that's a killer. And so, you know, you got to avoid penalties and you got to avoid mistake uh, turnovers. Illinois has been good at running the ball themselves, 180 yards per game. That's seventh in the Big Ten. But on the other side, Iowa, as I mentioned, not running it well offensively but they're playing it well defensively giving up 108 a game and that's fourth mm-hmm. in the, the Big Ten so their defense giving up just 16 points a ball game and rushing yards 108 so they're kind of hanging their hat on that and uh, winning the close games as they did last week against Minnesota well that's going to take care of um, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk Mr. Tate we'll listen for you coming up on uh, Fighting Illini Game Day Appreciate your time, my friend. And uh, you riding tomorrow? Yes, I am. Riding, to, riding today for tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Gotcha. We'll look for that as well as all, all the uh, great coverage in the News Gazette. Fighting a lot of that game day is coming up. And uh, this game will kick off at 105 here at Kinnick Stadium. They're expecting a near sellout crowd for this ball game. Illinois 4-6 and six, and number 18, Iowa at 8-2 and two. for Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to uh, Dave Leak and Ed Bond for helping us uh, produce this uh, two-hour show. And we'll talk to you again as the day goes on here on News Talk 1400, DWS and 93.9 FM.